we, we say key moments in time, right? All these key moments in time, yeah. you want to talk to me, but you ignore me for the rest of the year. That's not a great relationship. And so I think brands have to first mm-hmm. do an internal discovery and see where they've been and where they want to go and be realistic with that and then get a like-minded partner that can help them along the journey. And that's where we come in as agents. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined by your two favorite co-hosts. I'm Adam Moore, along with the side, Chloe Goodry-Reed. And today we're joined in studio with Roy Broderick from AuthenticQ Agency. And today we're going to talk about multicultural marketing. And multicultural marketing is actually a very important tool that, you know, used properly can connect companies with members of various diverse groups and seamlessly build a relationship with customers outside of the general market. There is potential, however, to abuse multicultural marketing by taking advantage of certain groups or being insensitive and condescending when promoting products and services. Multicultural marketing strategies must be used properly by companies to provide sincere support and outreach to different communities. Companies that are minority-owned and LGBTQA plus owned must also learn how to market effectively in order to promote their services in the best way possible. So with that, Chloe, why don't you introduce our guest with us today? Yes, thank you so much, Adam. And you mentioned his name when we first got started, but Roy Roderick Jr. is the president and CEO of Authentique Agency. They are a multicultural marketing agency headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and specializes in brand development and marketing strategy. Roy has been recognized by Black Entrepreneurship and Black Enterprise Magazine as a young marketing genius. I love that, Roy. Like it, like it. And really strives to elevate how multicultural audiences are targeted to better create community and creating opportunity that wasn't previously accessible. Welcome to our show, Roy. Thank you so much. Awesome. I feel like I should have a theme song happen. If yes, <laughs> like you should come <laughs> in with music. some music. Yeah. Totally. No, yes. I'm totally excited being here. Thank you for having me. I'm a huge fan of you both and huge supporter. And Thank so you. Uh, this should be a great chat. Awesome. Yes. Can't wait. So, you know, in, in kind of some of the intro, Roy, we talked about the importance of a good multicultural marketing strategy. And I think sometimes, regardless of the uh, size of the firm, that kind of gets thrown to the wayside. So talk to us a little bit um, about the importance of a multicultural marketing strategy. Yep. So um, great question. So when you think about multicultural marketing, um, you know, I first like to always say um, multicultural consumers um, are the the brand leaders, the culture creators, um, and really the ones who are, are driving any decision that, you know, what we'll call general marketing, right? Your white Caucasian males and, and females um, do. And a lot of times brands think, oh, 
I, you know, if I do a total market approach and I talk to everyone that I'm going to get, you know, overflow or overlap, uh, that's definitely a lie. Um, I always say if you reverse your thinking and think about the multicultural consumer first, then you'll get everyone, right? Because there are passion points such as music, fashion, entertainment, sports, and all these other unifiers that um, you can really um, galvanize your efforts around to, to get brands along with the journey with you as well as consumers and fans on the journey with you. The importance is is more than anything now a requirement. Um, I think what's two summers ago almost, um, we, we've seen, you know, why and America having its great awakening. But besides that, um, it's the right thing to do. When you think about the majority, the new majority, right? Um, that, that person is brown. And so um, that is your Hispanic consumer by 2045 that's going to be running the world. Um, and so if you are not having conversations with them, uh, then you are not going to prevent churn or business loss, right? Um, so what we look for at Authentic, you know, from a good multicultural marketing strategy first is transparency, right? Understanding your brand values and where you are and, and understanding what you've done um, what hiccups you might have made if you've ever tried this before. Um, and then also what your resources and brand voice mean so that you don't come out the gate looking inauthentic. Because more than anything, what we know about multicultural audiences is that transactional relationships need not to apply. So you can't just talk to me during Black History Month, doing your supplier diversity event, doing Pride Month. Diversity Month in October. Yeah. We, we say key moments in time, right? All these key moments in time, <laughs> yeah. you want to talk to me, but you ignore me for the rest of the year. That's not a great relationship. And so I think brands have to first do an internal discovery and see where they've been and where they want to go and be realistic with that and then get a like-minded partner that can help them along the journey. And that's where we come in as an agency. So I think that's a really interesting point you kind of brought up, Roy. I don't know if anybody else heard it, but when you're talking about like this month is for this group and this month is for this group and this, and we seem to be targeted at that month to that particular group. Do you think there's almost a disservice by us having some of this Absolutely. Um, you should be talking to consumers more than just a month, right? As a black gay male, I expect you to talk to me a few times a year, but honestly, continue to have a, a relationship with me, right? right? So so that I still can understand that your products and your services are for me and that your your brand uh, cares about the social causes I might care about. And, and really, you know, it's a expectation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because brands are showing their commitment to this type of outreach, right? And it has to be layered throughout the organization. Mm-hmm. So Adam, as much as we think about these key moments in time, you know, it's the same way in corporate America, people feel like, oh, DEI is HR, it's recruiting and supplier diversity, and that's it. Like, no, it is DEI should be layered throughout the entire organization. Absolutely. Right? And in policies and promotions exactly. and oh, yeah. performance reviews, everything. Exactly. So, how are you as a marketing team, as a procurement team, as a finance team, right? How are you really cultivating that experience inside and out, right? Your customers as well as your employees. And so um, I, I say it like that. If, if you, It's like, you know, a, a family relationship. If you only talk to that cousin once a year, what can you really expect that cousin to know about you? Right. Well, don't call me for money. <laughs> right. That's, that's for sure. Don't call me for money. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. So, and it's like, don't expect me to buy anything if I don't feel connected to your brand. Um, I think you brought up a really good point, Roy, early when you first came on that I just kind of want to go back to starting with the multicultural marketing as opposed to, yes. you know, it being an afterthought. 
And I think a lot of times companies now will have their marketing strategy and then have a separate sort of multicultural strategy. And yeah, it's like a whole separate vertical. It's a whole separate vertical. But I I understand exactly what you're saying, because I think it pulls on the heartstrings. Like even if I don't identify with some of these Mm -hmm. other groups, when I see it being represented in commercials and, you know, on stage in print, I'm like, oh, well, they are inclusive. It may not even be an African-American woman, which I identify with. It can be someone with a disability or it can be, Mm -hmm. you know, someone from the LGBT community. To me, it says that diversity matters. Yep. And and what you're looking for as that consumer is acknowledgement. Right. Mm-hmm. And then authenticity. Right. Those yeah. are the two main things um, that have to be included in, in those efforts. And I mean, and then when we look at insights, right, 60 percent of African-American women agree they're more likely to purchase brands that support a cause they care about. So Absolutely. as a as a company really saying, hey, you know, we see you LGBTQIA consumers. Right. Mm-hmm. We see you uh, disabled or veterans. Right. And, and mm-hmm. having something that specific specifically speaks to them um, helps with when it comes down to purchasing, right? Because I'm not going to go for a brand right. that I feel like is not going to support what me and my family's values are, right? Because right. Mm-hmm. When my kid might be at school and they say, well, we eat this versus that, or I have this type of snack versus this type of snack. Those are the conversations that you sometimes are met with, right? In the carpool lane. Right. Yeah. You know, right. Ryan had this brand and why do we buy this brand? So again, mm-hmm. like being able to really say that because, um, you know, it's it's, it's it's really a time where black culture and, and, and even LGBTQ gay culture is in right now. That's where folks are. It's the, like the new sexy buzzword thing to be. Mm-hmm. But folks have to really understand that, you know, those two consumer groups specifically are going to check receipts. They're going to see if you just now have started to talk to them or if you've been doing this all, all along. Um, and just like I, I talked about the social issues with African-Americans, it's the same. Right. When you think about LGBTQIA consumers. Right. We want to see you um, advertise in our media publications. Right. Your out magazines, your advocates. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to see you reach me where I am and not you feeling like, Mm -hmm. oh, you have to you know, I have to be watching another channel or another network or some other communication method for you to feel like you can talk to me. No, come to where I am, because if you do that then I'll be more open to buying and supporting your brand. When you look at brands like Subaru, who've always mm-hmm. put their stake in the ground on LGBTQIA issues. I mean, it, it, it goes back decades, um, but them being a brand that, you know, they don't have to do as much, right? Because they yeah. talk to those consumers all year long, so they don't have to make a big splash at Pride, right? So that idea of you really understanding um, and, and valuing the connection you can have um, because, Yes, there is a world where total market and marketing dollars are limited, but it's about saying, hey, this is a requirement. So I'm going to I'm required to talk to multicultural consumers. And then what can we do left with our budget? Not the reverse of, oh, we have a million dollars and, you know, usually we have two. So this year we can't talk to multicultural folks. Right. You will see a drop. I guarantee you that. Show me your brand and show me their stats. And I promise you that if they are not directly targeting um, multicultural consumers, they won't be successful year over year. Yeah, no. And and you're right, Roy, right? The numbers don't lie. I mean, it's one thing to talk a good game, but the numbers are there. And you're right. Those two groups will check receipts, right? Everybody has a, a cell phone, right? And a smartphone at that. And we'll go back and check social media posts. We'll check uh, editorial articles. I mean, this this generation 
will go and check you. Yeah. You know, and so it's very important that whatever message you're putting out to whichever group it is, is authentic, is on point and on brand because you will be found out. I mean, that's just how it is. And, and I think that's a very interesting way. I think the brand loyalties, right? So mm-hmm. uh, probably generations that older than the three of us, at least <laughs> I hope, Definitely. you know, they would go buy a brand regardless, right? Because, well, great grandma used this brand to bake such and Mm -hmm. such a pie, by goodness, we will buy that brand also. I'm not seeing that in these younger generations, right? They're like, okay, that's a starting point, but now I'm going to go do my research, right? And figure out if that brand resonates with me. It's not so much to have to have the the loyalty passed down by family. I think which brands rested on for decades, right? right? But I think- That's the millennial way. Yeah. That's the millennial way. There's a new way to do this and I'm going to shake it up, right? Mm -hmm. And even when you think about brands like Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben's, right? That might have a kind of a negative history when you really look at, you know, the character or the avatar they used, right? They're going back- Correcting I them, saw right? that because recently. they understand, yeah. yeah, they understand how important it is, right? Because you will have people be like, "Look, I thought Uncle Ben was cool, but Uncle Ben was a slave." Like, okay, like, are we really, you know, really really doing that? Right, yeah. right, yes, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Like, do we really understand what we're marketing mm-hmm. and and how that is deeply rooted in in racism and injustices? Mm-hmm. And and are we really helping that cause, or are we just selling rice? Mm-hmm. Right. So that idea of really, um, you know, paying homage, but also being respectful and saying, you know what, this might have been, but change can start with me. So I'm right. going to now go right. and do it mm-hmm. this way. And the whole thing, too, is it's, that's not a responsibility, too, of our black and brown cultures either. No. Right. I mean, the, the 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 white culture also needs to sit there and go, what is the history behind that? Because I've learned some history on some things, too. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that needs to be changed like right now. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's it is all of us have to pull together as a collective society and fact check. Roy, I wanted to also ask you, you said, you know, companies will try to play towards these months where Mm -hmm. it's Black History Month or Pride Month. What are some sort of intentional ways that they can stay connected throughout the year? Yeah. So so when you think about a company, right, there's the first uh, the easiest part, lowest hanging fruit, right? Storytelling, right? The employee internal storytelling, right? So if you are just talking to your ERGs, employee or business resource groups, if you're just talking to them when it's Pride Month, that's when you're acknowledging them. Yeah, no. They're, they're not, that's not how to do it, right? Or if you're saying, hey guys, it's February is coming up. So we need all the black folks to get together because we need this. Or we are high-ranking black executive to parade across LinkedIn. Like, no, like, like talk about that man and everything else he does every day outside of the 28 days of the year, right? So again, like. I always say, start the conversation, share the conversation, join the conversation. So it's it's really that idea of um, brand saying, hey, we do this one thing, but what can take it to the next level, right? You do have some brands that are just now figuring it out, right? Some brands are just waking up and it's cool, right? They have done their first pride activation. They feel great about it. So great. How do you, how are you surveying, getting feedback and making that bigger and better next year? Not saying, oh, we're just going to stay Monday and do the same thing year over year, right? Um, how are how am I creating an environment, right? We think about recruiting. How am I creating an environment if I want my diversity numbers to increase and I want to see more black women rise to the executive C-suite level? Do I have the environment that they will be successful in? Once I get you in the door, once I get you in as a supplier, can I sustain you and really build you up the right way? Or am I just checking a box, right? And say, 
got them, right? Got the numbers I needed, moving on to the next thing. So those are some of the- Right, next fire, yeah. yeah. Those are some of the, you know, the the crucial things that I think corporate leaders have to ask themselves. Um, And I know that sometimes they're uncomfortable conversations to have, but if you really want to see um, results, you have to have a game plan for it, right? Um, Because those same tactics, they're going to get old, they're going to get stale, and to be honest, you know, when you think about talent right now, it's, it's talent recruiting is the hardest thing right now. Right. Folks don't want to go back to work. There's a whole pandemic yeah. happening. But also COVID has taught us to value our time. Right. Value yeah. our time mm-hmm. and how we spend our life more than anything. So if I'm at a company where I don't feel appreciated, respected, seen fully or I can be my full self, then guess what? I'm going to hop over to a MailChimp where culture is amazing. And the, even though they just got bought for 12 billion. Right. I'm going to still go over to a bigger brand that's going to appreciate me, that's going to let me work from home, that's going to be okay when I say, hey, you know, mentally, I only can do four days a week, right? So just just really understanding that. And I think more than ever, when you think about the future of our workforce, right, Gen Zers, if you don't have it, they leave it. It's real simple. Yeah. I mean, and and not just, and they don't think about it either. I mean, it is like, oh, see you, bye. They don't even think about the consequences. Like you can fundamentally- No, it's on a dime, man. It's crazy. You can fundamentally like disagree with something like that they hold true. And before even thinking about it, they're like, I'm out. They're gone. Boom. Yeah. And you are dead to them. So it's something. So I think it's the same way, right? I'm a millennial, so- Right. Naturally, we think a little bit more through it, but we still end up in the same place. Right. We still might say, you know what? This isn't working for me. But the Gen Zers like this is a role. These are my requirements. You either meet them or you don't. And so I think there's something to be said about that. And I think that generationally, if we go back, especially from a a multicultural standpoint, you know, that's probably what the folks before us should have been doing long time ago. Right. Um, We'd be a lot probably further in progress should that have happened. So when we think about just like some of these like common mistakes and errors that companies have made, have you ever seen one that you were just like, oh my gosh, that's like the worst thing that I've seen. You don't have to name any company, but just like what the action was or, or maybe there was a, a situation where you guys were brought in to clean up something really, really bad. I mean, talk to us about some of those really large errors that companies make. I think one, I'll give you a few. One I will say would be thinking that when you do business with a multicultural agency, that it's any different than you doing business with another agency. So how you might approach them, pay scales, um, timing of payments, those things um, that are just natural business uh, procedures. Uh, some folks think that, you know, someone's blackness or or the the construct of the company holds it up. Oh, is this how you guys do this? And it's like, yeah, we're, we're a, a business just like any other business. So yeah, right. we require yeah. these right. things too, right? So I think that's one piece. Um, I think also in that same regard, when it comes down to paying, right? Not understanding that as much as I am a, a marketer, right? I'm a multicultural marketer, meaning I can do both. I can do total market all day long and I can do multicultural all day, but there's a specialization that you are getting and you have to pay for. So understand that I might cost a little bit more than, um, you know, your your normal agency does. And then the, the final thing I'll say is not being realistic about what success looks like to them. I know at Authentique, we ask that question a lot to clients when they're first coming on board. Hey, what does success look like to you? What, what are your dreams? What keeps you up at night? Because we really want to see if what's written down on the paper really matches what's in the mind and the heart. And if that's really true, I think for some brands, they're trying to check a box, right? Again, I go to this notion of supplier diversity. 
I'm like, look, it's the old school way. If you wanted me to chase you for two years to get a $50,000 project, that's not going to happen, right? I understand my value. So if you don't, your competitor does. So it's, very, it's, it's really about, again, as much as it's transactional, please be transparent, right? Say what you're able to do. Be honest, right? You might be surprised, but you also might be told, hey, you know, go level up a little bit and then come back or you're not ready. So I, again, it's a journey, um, but that's why it's important to have the right partner, but also being, also you being honest about internally, right? What are your resources? What are the challenges you all face? Because all that's going to come out. If you're if, if I'm really doing my job as a marketing agency to help you, I'm going to learn everything. And I always say it's like if you invited me to your house for a cookout and I had to use the restroom, some kind of way I ended up in the kitchen, some kind of way I ended up looking at the living room. Like I'm going to go through all your cabinets. I'm going to ask those questions because I want to make sure that I'm thoroughly putting you on success and making well-informed, educated decisions for you. So those are three. And then brands. Right. You've seen it all. Right. Pepsi, Kylie Jenner. I mean, I can keep going, right? That's that's one everybody remembers, right? Um, the, I mean, but but I mean, we see it every day. We see it every day. Um, I think brands are trying. You know, I've seen the constant use of, of drag queens for for everything. Um, I've seen the oh, we just got to put a gay couple on an ad, and there we there we go. Or uh, oh, just add a black face. We're missing that. Oh, just add someone in a wheelchair, right? Those type of comments, and sometimes that's how creatives un- understand it to be because they might not know anything else or have the direction that they need to really understand how to um, reach those audiences, but. Those are the common mistakes that we see, you know, and then finally, just alignment. It's nothing like a consumer group calling you out for the investment of a candidate or something else that you've done that goes against everything that you said you're trying to do. So, again, that's why I say brands have to be very transparent because um, it, it will come out. I tell people black Twitter is real uh, and, and they will kindly uh, tell you the truth about you even if you know it. That's yeah. amazing. So, you know, I think, Roy, you hit on a lot of really good nuggets. I, I just kind of want to jump on a little bit here. So, you know, sometimes you'll be sitting there, you're watching TV and you see a commercial and then all of a sudden maybe a black couple or a gay couple is is stuck into an ad and you sat there and were like, well, that just felt stuck in there, right? So, so what I'm hearing from you is, yes, that's a real thing. So if we're sitting there as consumers going, well, that felt kind of forced in the flow of what was happening in this picture. That's a real thing that marketers have to look out for. Is, is in Am I interpreting what you're saying correctly? Absolutely. Um, sometimes there are on the corporate side, there are not marketers. There are glorified mm-hmm. project managers that just have brand manager titles. So I, again, I think that, you know, when you think about expertise and what folks bring to the table, like being okay and saying, hey, you know what? I might be black, but I don't do multicultural. Right. Right. That's real. Right. I can't speak for the entire community or, you know what? I'm gay, but you know what? I'm probably more in line to what you see on TV versus speaking for the whole community, mm-hmm. right? Or I actually have heteronormative things that I, I believe in. So that's how you'll see, um, address my identity, right? So just, I think being okay to say that, but yeah. also on the flip side, corporations asking, right? Because it's nothing like, you know, being pulled in a room because of some someone's assumption of how you identify, right, by skin tone or anything else. And then you're like, oh, it's Hispanic Heritage Month starting on September 15th. What do we need to do? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I say it that way where where that's why it's important to have those subject matter experts at the table um, to, to be able to, to guide you and to make sure you're making strategic moves. That's fantastic. And I think it's so easy to to make these errors. And I think like one mm-hmm. and I may get in trouble for this, um, but I'm oh, just here gonna, we go. I'm this is going to be good put it out there. 
all of these um, commercials now, and it's mostly automotive commercials, and they have um, biracial couples in them. I am 100% okay with that. Love to see that. But I, th- I feel sometimes like it's forced. Like we have to have representation that's white. Right, it's like, oh. Black or Hispanic. And, you know, this, and I'm like, why, why such a hard push? Like, I, I just felt that like, way too. Yeah. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. it's okay to have one commercial that's representing a black family and right. representing a white family and a Hispanic right. family. Like, why are you? And I mean, I, and I get it. I get that representation is, is very, very, very important. And I definitely feel like it, ha- but Every single commercial I feel like now is trying so hard to make every picture in that commercial diverse that they're they're sort of missing that family makeup that is the majority of America. We all have families that look a certain way and look differently, but like represent all of them. Yeah, and, and do it fully, right? right? So don't, yes, don't look do at it like fully. We only had we only had you know this one commercial I had to put everybody in it. Like no, like look at it. And when you look at those commercials, what I look at is I look at the products and the things they're highlighting around the table, and I'm like, oh, that's not a real black. That's family. not a real black they family. Went, they went there and oh, that's not a but you know no no way right. So again, like I think that's why the insights, the analytics and knowing um, the consumer makes a lot of sense because again, I'm looking at it. I'm looking for me. I'm looking for something that's even going to be striking to me for me to be like, oh yes. Um, Or I'm looking at something that's either going to be like, hey, I I totally shouldn't be doing this. Um, So, so I think a lot of brands just, you know, they're trying, right. But I think it's also, again, saying we don't have this expertise or this isn't my lane. I need some help with this. Or I'm thinking these two things, which one do you think might make most data matters. I always say, you know, as Jay-Z said, right? Men lie, women lie, numbers don't, right? So <laughs> look at your data and see, and see the things about your customers so you can uh, make informed decisions. Yeah. So I think, I think that comes to another interesting point, Roy. And I, let me, I'm going to give you a scenario and I'd love to hear how you would think a corporate should handle it, right? So let's just take, let's just take the atrocities of last summer, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. Corporates came out of the woodwork to start making statements. Right. And some of you could tell like, okay, you guys have really been on this train for a long time. Right. You've been following this. You understand the cultures. You understand what's going on. You understand the socioeconomic impacts and all. I mean, you could just tell by reading it. Right. And then others, you sat there and went, huh. I wonder if that was written by the communications intern. Right. Mm. So is it a damnable strategy? To sit there and go, we don't have the expertise. We need to get it. We don't have it right now. So let's just stay silent. Or is silence a killer and something is better than nothing? I have heard of several different thoughts behind this. And I would love your opinion on that. Because I think that's the key, right? Corporate communication is just as important as the ad we're seeing on TV, the ad we're getting Sorry. splashed up on our on our the computer. Voice. But the yeah, voice. the voice, the voice. It was something you talked about at the very beginning of this, of this episode. Yep. Yep. So I, I would say for me, um, and I saw that I always say it was like the um, the race to a billion dollars who has the most. Right. But what I will say is, I think for me, silence. Right. And, and silence to me matters because you can say also if you want to say something, hey, we've never done anything like this before, but we're going to try and we're, we're going to bring the right partners so that we can actually give a right 
you know, an accurate response versus a trigger trigger finger statement like most did. Right. They threw in all these numbers. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. There was no timeline. There was no accountability plan. There was no implementation plan. So guess what? They're still in those same same circles of we're going to increase supply diversity by 80 percent. We're going to make sure that we give back to black and brown uh, community organizations. We're going to donate a billion dollars to this initiative. We're going to make sure there's we close the equality pay gap, all these things. Right. But we've seen nothing. Right. Where's your report? Right. Where's your annual report that shows me where you've been since then? Right. Because uh, George Floyd died quite a minute ago. Right. But also, what did you survey internally? Right. To even see from your black employees, um, if this made sense, did you give them the mental space to even be in a place to answer that right. question or did you force them quickly to make a swift decision, even though they were dealing with the trauma of the event at all as identifying as a part of the community. So that's why I say brands have to think, right? And I think a lot of our CEOs and CMOs are so used to how they do things and how they've been doing them. But what we naturally see is that the economy is changing, people's requirements are changing, and, and so is the C-suite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you start seeing the rise to power, um, and with the, even the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion roles, right? People have been placed in these jobs. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know because there's no handbook. There's no training. There are, there are classes and little certification programs. This, but, but who really owns the voice of DE&I, right? So, again, I think brands have a lot of homework to do. But, again, that's why it's important to make sure that they have the right partners. And, and as we try to be as an agency, we try to be as transparent as possible. We'd say, as much as you're our client, you're our partner, right? We're going to collaborate, but we're also going to hold you accountable and tell you like, you know what? That sounds cool. That sounds like a cool viral moment or something. That'd be good. But y'all not really trying to right. do that, right? So being realistic, um, which I think is being lost. I think too much of it is now about the dollar amount or we're giving you this opportunity. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel the same way a little bit about tier two business sometimes with supplier diversity, mm-hmm. because I say, like, do you really understand what you're telling me as a black supplier to partner with your white yeah. mime who's been there for 15 yeah. years, who doesn't even understand what I do or why I'm at the table, who's insulted that you brought me to the table? Yeah. So what are we talking yeah. about? So, again, I'm not going to get on my soapbox, I but I will say. No, it's it. But these are these the are the real for issues people to that, think about. Yeah, that we have and we have to talk about them and continue to talk about them. And Roy, I'm so glad you have said that time and time again. We can't stop the conversation. Chloe and I have an episode where we talked about that, too. That was at the Juneteenth episode. I can't remember. Yeah, it was. But yeah. we talked about how all of a sudden there are these just onslaught of statements and promises. And like you said, numbers and improvements. And then like three months later, it's crickets. And the same voices that have been loud in this area are the only ones left. Yeah. Right. It's sickening. And so I appreciate you saying that. And it gets pushed down to our, you know, supplier diversity champions who are usually a team of one. And it's like now all of a sudden the whole organization is like. You need to provide me with these um, DNI, you know, numbers. You need to provide mm-hmm. me with some diverse suppliers. And oh, by the way, I also need you to help me with responding to all these RFPs now because all of our clients are now right. asking us questions about our DNI efforts. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot. It's a stretch for these small teams. So companies need to make the investment both internally and externally in DNI. Well, and and I like the point that Roy brought up about the tier two strategy too, yes. right? Because all too often in my space, it's like, oh, hi, we're highly regulated. Let's just throw everything to tier two. Well, guess what, folks? It doesn't work. Yeah. That way, you know, it yeah. really just doesn't. And 
I can't tell you how many times I have met with and, or, or tried to mentor a brand new supplier diversity manager. Their background is HR. They know nothing about operations. They know nothing about purchasing, contracting, legal, the AP system, days yeah. to pay, and all the other stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And guess what? Like Roy said, real businesses want to know about because yeah. a diverse business is <laughs> a real business, right? Yeah. That's what they want to know about, right? And so I'm talking to them they're like, well, we're just going to do tier two. I'm like, have you thought through that at all? Like, you know, so I, I appreciate that candor because I mean, this, um, yeah, these, <laughs> these are the things we have got to talk about. It's not a one size fits all. There's not one solution, one answer, one silver bullet. There's a lot of work that still has to be done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you'll see that you'll, if you look at brands like Facebook who think about the supplier's journey, mm. right? So they do invoice factoring for you on everyone's invoice. As long as you've been a supplier, they just open that back up to be now just even if you're just certified in, in some of the groups, right? But how can I help cash flow in your organization? Because I know you want to do business with big brands, but big brands do net 60, net 90, some net 20, 120. Um, yeah. So how can I help you keep the lights on so that you can actually go for those opportunities um, even as a tier two? Because that, that prime could waiting to get paid. And then you have to wait for whatever process that person yeah. had. Thank you. I was bringing that up just the other day. I was like, you had better be cash flow positive if you're going to be a tier two. Yeah. Because yeah, I just don't think people think about no, it. Right? And so, no. you know, I think, and, and I will say there's no tool that teaches you that, right? There's no bank. There's no, there's no platform that, that really shows you, okay, like, well, look at this to determine if you can get this, we do this, like, and, and, and they don't. So again, um, as my client, right, the brand that holds the purse strings, how are you making this easier for me? How are you making sure that I'm on a short list of agencies and not up with 150 agencies trying to prove a point when you've met me three years ago and we've talked every conference? Like, come on. Like, so, or be real and say, you know what? Marketing is one of the hardest verticals to get into. Um, and guess what? probably will never do it. So I'm just letting you know that. But what I can do is reach across here to our competitor who I know because supply diversity folks know each other and, and get you an introduction, right? Help the supplier, right? Don't just sit there and say, oh, like, yep, this is right. I know this is how it goes. This is the way you do it. Build a relationship with us. Like, come on, man, where's the tech, right? Yeah. So I think there's a lot to be said and I, I'm grateful that you guys have this podcast because I think it's a great um it's a great platform and, and, and yeah. tactic to be able to talk about these things. Um, and it's my hope that, you know, what I've shared has been helpful. Yes, it has. It's it been has. Great. And, and one quick last question that I want to ask you, I hear this from a lot of our enterprise clients mm -hmm. is we need to help our small businesses market better. What, what's one advice yeah. that you would give as a very established marketer, What's one thing that small businesses, if they don't have a massive budget like these corporations, that they just need to get right? I would say their brand identity and, and their messaging, right? And I, I look together, right? Consistency is what's going to make sense. Yep. Um, that's what's going to be, you, if you're short and you're concise and you tell people exactly what you can do or exactly what your product does and how it's different. Um, no one has time for the 60 second elevator pitch. I don't have time for that. I need to easily make a purchase decision um, and quickly make one. So, so let's do that. And then, you know, from a brand consistency standpoint, like stick with the brand, mm -hmm. right? And if you change it, have a really good reason why you've changed yeah. it um, and make it make sense. So those are what I commonly see and even get folks that, oh, we should work with this person. I'm looking to see like, 
if you have your stuff in order. Because if you don't, I can't trust you with my clients work. So it's like, you know, for me to grow or for you to grow, it's a partnership, but I need you to really come correct um, because there is a lot of trust that has to be built for me to have a seat at the table, more or less even pull a seat up. Yeah. And, and Roy, I'm glad you brought up the elevator pitch because it seems like every agency known to mankind has the elevator pitch contest, right? And if I'm yeah. a corporate at a trade show, you know, I know the last place I want to get pitched is in yeah. the elevator on the way up to my room as I'm trying to remember who I am, where I am and what I'm doing. <laughs> that's probably the last place to pitch a corporate. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is we've kind of gotten to a place where we just don't pitch. Yeah. Like we were yeah. very like, like I'd rather know Adam and then be yeah. like, Hey, what's you up at night? And if I have a solution, it is not authentic. Maybe I can connect you to someone else. You just totally stole my strategy and put it out on the <laughs> podcast for everybody to hear. That's like one of my biggest mentoring key points. And yes. Roy just gave it to you all for free. So there yes. you go. That's if you're going to pitch a corporate, yes. figure out what keeps them up at night. And go after that. Absolutely. Yeah. The rest of it, you know, people do business with who they yes. like first. Yes. Right? So yes. You know, if you build it, if you build it and then they know they can count on you, they'll circle back when it's time, right? Right. But I'd rather you wait two years and give me a, a you know a six figure deal than you come at me with something small, right? So you can be worth the wait. I also say wait a minute and see what you get, right? We've learned that as an agency. We're in our sixth year in business and we've been blessed to work with some great cool brands, but it's all started with a relationship. But we've also been very true on like, we're not going to chase you, right? That's just not, it's not what we're going to yeah. do, right? So I love that. There I love is. that. Well, thank you so much for yes, tuning in. Yes, this has in, been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us, Roy. Oh, thank you all for having me. It's been yeah, great. Make sure you check out our previous episodes if you haven't already and continue to support the podcast. You can keep up with Roy and his journey at www.royproject.com and www.authenticagency.com. Also, be sure to check us out on LinkedIn at Chloe Reed and Adam Moore and Roy Broderick Jr. and stay tuned for all of our upcoming episodes. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.